Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Post-Military Podcast, where we share stories of veterans' transition out of the military and their advice to other service members based on their life experience. Whether you are still in service, a veteran, or just someone preparing to transition into a new chapter of your life, there is something here for you to learn. I've included timestamps in the description of the episode, so head down there to see if there are any topics that are of particular interest to you. Also, while you're poking around, subscribing to the channel or podcast on your favorite platform is always greatly appreciated. Anyway, thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend. That I will support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. Uh, With me today is someone I'm very excited to have on the show. She has started multiple businesses, is also a creative in multiple spaces, including being a freelance writer and a podcaster. She has an amazing story to share for us as she talks about her time transitioning out of the Army after serving 17 and a half years in... Army, I don't, it's not called chemical warfare, and it's I don't think it's called seaburn. So what's what's it called again? No, it it is seaburny. It is seaburny. Seaburny. Okay, an army seventeen and a half years as an army seaburny officer, Net Wittenberger. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. We're called chemical officers, but it's seaburny. Whatever. It's the same thing. Same thing. I was about to say chemical warfare and I was like, that sounds Geneva Convention-y and I don't think that's what that is. Excuse the uh, <laughs> that sounds the, actually, the slip up there. That sounds actually really cooler than that. It's chemical warfare sounds cooler. Oh, it definitely does, but it also sounds like we chlorine gas people, which is bad. True. So that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. I really appreciate it. You also win the award for having the coolest glasses of any podcast guest that I've had on so far. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really excited to talk to you. And I love talking to other podcast hosts because it's just fun because you understand what it's like to be on the other side of the mic, talking to people and all that. Yeah. Without further ado, though, let's tell everyone about a little bit about your military career and what brought you to your transition point? So I I did serve 17 years, four months in the army. As a chemical officer, we don't really get to actually work in our MOS. We do everything else. So I spent my time doing personnel, logistics, um, just just all the things. It, It was a I did have a very difficult experience, but also a good experience in the military. I was dual military. So I raised both my kids right as soon as I was a lieutenant. As soon as I PCS to Germany, I I became a mom and I was trying to figure that crap out at the same time as being a leader and a spouse at 23 years old. Good times, but transition Transition was very difficult because I didn't, I got passed over to Lieutenant Colonel and I was like, WTF. I just sacrificed like my whole life and I couldn't even make it to 18 years. So I was devastated. I, they did give me, the army did give me options. I said, you can finish it out in the guards. You can finish it out in the reserve. So you can take the retirement. I actually went to 
a uh, recruiter and I was like, Hey man, wh- what do you think I should do? He's like, at this point I would retire. I was like, okay. So I retired. I uh, wasn't happy about it. I was angry the whole time. Didn't go to my retirement ceremony. I became very depressed. Like everything I feel that I went through in my 17 years all crumbled on that day. Everything came out. I was just all these feelings and emotions. I was mentally exhausted and I secluded myself and I didn't go get a job. I didn't do a resume. I sat on the couch for months until I was at a breaking point and that's when I decided to create my business. First off, I'm very sorry that that happened. That is a, that's horrible. And man, I had my exit from the military sprung on me, but nothing that crazy. I, I, I feel for you, but let's, I want to dive into what made you, what was really your primary? So you talked to this recruiter who says, get out. I definitely understand the emotions for wanting to get out. But I also think that for a lot of people who join the military straight out of straight out of like college or straight out of high school, it's all we know. And we've all known that person who probably should get out, but doesn't because it's safe. Like it's understood and therefore it's not worth getting out. And so for you, why do you think you made that decision anyway to like venture into the unknown? Was it like just pure rage or was there something else there? I think it was rage. Cause I was so pissed. I was like, I, at that point when he told me, if you do the reserves, you'll probably stay in another 10 years in order to retire. And I was like, screw that. I'm so done. I'm not doing another 10 years when I could have done three, you know? And when I commissioned out of college, I really wanted to just try the army. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, let's just try three years. Had no, I had, I had no plan. I had no plan. And but, and that's terrible because so many people around me were like, yeah, I'm gonna do 20. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm like, I'm gonna try it three years. And I met my husband, got married and I literally followed him around. So I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But at that point I was like, I just gave you so much of my life. I, our marriage was crazy. I put my kids through hell and back and deployments and that. So at that, I was mad. And so I said, screw it. I'm not doing another 10 years. I'm just going to get out. And if the recruiter's telling me to get out, then he's telling you that don't, don't come to this stuff. Yeah. He's like, it's, it's, it's time for you to go. And so what was your, what was your moment where you got off? Like what inspired you to get off of the couch? And before we talk about you starting your business, what like you were dealing with, you were just on the couch, angry. How did you, what was that like for you? If you, I don't know if you want to go into that, but I would love to understand like, I think a lot of people get out of the military and they feel screwed over by the military or they feel detached. And I think that you're in this really unique position where you gave so much and then you also got like the backhand of the army. And I would like to understand how did you not completely downward spiral 
in that amount of time from when you separated to when you decided to start your own business? So I, I did hit a really bad point. I remember having a conversation with one of my friends from high school. I was in the back of the house in the laundry room because I didn't want my kids to hear me. I was done. I felt like a failure. I didn't know who I was. They just, their mom's out of the military now and I have to explain why. Like it was so many different things. If I didn't speak up, I wasn't going to make it. Like literally wasn't going to make it. And my friend was on the other line and she's, you have had a successful career. You have two kids, you have this and this. But in my mind, I'm like, but I suck. Like I couldn't even, couldn't even make it. After that, I just woke up and was like, shit, I, my kids need me. I can't show them that once you fail, you should just break down. I have to show them what getting back up is. And I did that over, I've done, I've been up and down many times over the course of the past seven years. They've seen the ugly side and the good side, but I knew I needed to say something there. I could not only, I couldn't possibly be the only one that's feeling like uh, a loss of identity. So when I talked to her and then I think I posted it on Facebook and somebody was like, why are you posting this on Facebook? Are you seeing a therapist? I was like, okay, <laughs> let's figure out how to, because in 2016 and before we used uh, Facebook as a platform to just talk and we still do that. But at that point, I don't think I was able to process my feelings correctly, whatever. I don't think there's a good, there's no right way to do it. I just use that as a platform. And I spoke to another soldier that I was still in contact with, a prior soldier. And she's, I felt the same way. And she spent four years. And so in my mind, I said, okay, no matter how long you spend in the military, there is a part of you that's lost because you're so used to being with this family. I said, screw it. I said, let's go big or go home. And I contacted a friend who did a website for another friend. And I was like, let's create a website. Let's just do it. Let's just, the whole world's going to see it now. And I started a blog and I started putting myself out there. And then I had people reach out to me and they wanted to share their stories. And I was like, all right, this is where we're going to, this is how it's going to go. And so that's how it started. That's awesome. Something that you just said that I would love your opinion on as you've had a lot of years to think about this is you felt like a failure, even though like I was a dual mill. I was a dual mill. I didn't have kids, but I was dual mill. And that's tough. Like doing the joint spouse thing is very difficult. We're about to have our first child. I can't even imagine what that would be like if we're both on the hook for possible deployments. We don't, we both are like, oh, we got to make sure we live together. And you successful, you were a successful mom, like all these things that your friend said were true. Why do you think so many people shoot? not even choose. Why do you think we subconsciously stake all of our value on one thing when there's clearly many other aspects of our life that we could pull value and self-worth from, but for whatever reason, this other thing just eclipses the rest of it. If that makes sense. It, it does. And it's because that's how we were raised in the military. That P, that OER, that NCOER, that's what told us what kind of leader we were. So we relied on that piece of paper. 
and that's all and that's what I that's all I could think about was what if I would have gotten a better piece of paper what if I would have gotten a better evaluation what if I would have done this differently all these things that I used to identify who I was because that's all I knew and, and it was all about what other people thought about me so now what do people think about me and it took me years after to realize when somebody asked me who was Annette, I was like, shit, I don't know. I was a major. I, I don't know what Annette is. And so it took me a long time to, to answer that question differently because all I knew was a title, the rank, the uniform, and that piece of, that piece of paper that told me who I was. And what, as some, I love what you just said, which is you didn't know who you were. And I, I feel like I went through a very similar process of I feel like I found my identity in the military. And then when I had to leave, I was like, who, who am I'm an adult now, but I, I never had to figure out adult Billy outside of the context of the military. And for you looking back on it, what do you think you could have context aside? Do you think you could have done anything in the military before you got out to start separating, making the military part of you, but not all of you. Do you think people can do that? Or do you think that it's something that needs to be done on the back end? If that makes sense. I, I feel like I should have had a mentor. I didn't have many mentors in the military, none that could prepare me for what life would be like on the outside. And so I lacked that. I also had only six months to separate. Six months is not a long time at all whatsoever. So I feel like I don't even know now if I had more time, if I would have felt better. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like they, they, the army or whatever military branch prepares you for the mental health side. They prepare you for what you should wear, how you should act, what your resume should be like, what jobs you could look at, but not the, okay, you're probably going to feel a loss of identity. You're probably going to feel like you failed. None of that happened. And so when I had that six months to hurry up and get out, I was, when they handed me my retirement certificate and the flag, I sat in my car and cried. I was like, oh my God, this is it. And I think that's, the biggest thing is having a good mentor and mental health should have been discussed because it was not. Yeah, I completely agree. I wish there had been somebody who literally just said, Hey, have you ever pictured what the day after you get your DD two fourteen looks like? I wish someone tells you, told me that because you're in this like sprint to the finish and you're like, I just got to hit the finish line. And then you cross the finish line and you go, what happens now? Yeah. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Everything I knew is back there. And right. I never even pictured it or thought about it. And so I definitely understand what you're saying. I remember driving off base and going, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's over. I was yeah. not expecting that. And I don't know. What do you think, because those resources don't exist, other than joining the a wild ride called life mentorship program what do you think that people in the military can do to start preparing themselves 
for those things that aren't necessarily addressed by the standard out-processing of the military, in your opinion? So now we have LinkedIn, right? And so LinkedIn is full of resources and nonprofits that give that kind of assistance to those transitioning. I didn't have that. I didn't even know LinkedIn was in 2016. So in the resources they gave us was here, take a screenshot of the 10 websites we just gave you written on this whiteboard. Now it's so different. So I, and my husband, he has two years left. So I tell him all the time, he doesn't listen to me, but I tell him all the time, dude, get on LinkedIn. You're That's going to be one of your friends. Because there's so many people out there who've been there, done that, spent more than 30 years in, and you're going to need that person. And so I now there's more than what was offered back then. So I would use it. And we have Veterati. Veterati is full of mentors. I'm a mentor on Veterati. Go to that and look up somebody who's has similar goals as you and get that mentorship. It is totally free. So yeah, there's so much more now. Yeah. And I guess the counter, the flip side to that is as someone who mentors, how would you recommend that people sift through? Because there's almost too much now. There's like before there was nothing. And now it's there's I just recorded a podcast with with Bruce Thompson. And he was like, I think there's 45,000 odd nonprofits for in this space, which is great. But it's almost like before you punch into you used to punch into google like how to transition out of the military and there was nothing and now you do it and it's here's the top 100 resources that you can engage with and you're like shit because you've never had to make that level of decision in the military either so how would you recommend that people almost like how do you recommend that people start sifting through all of that or working through all of that you're right. There's too many. It's overwhelming. That's why I, I love to refer people to Veterati because all you do is punch in keywords of the men, of the person that has your end goals and you talk to that person. That way it's just one-on-one. You don't have to go to a hundred thousand websites. Talk to that person and, and they'll guide you. There's that and score.org. So those two, I think, are the best ones right now because it's one-on-one. You don't have to, you could go to chat GPT too and have them ask you and and put in what you want. But yeah, I I would do that. I would start small because there's a lot. And how do you know what's the best? That you can see on Veterati, you can see how many people have the, the amount of experience they have, how long they've been doing it for, and then start like that. It's small. Yeah. So I think that you're in a really interesting category of people where you get out of the military, but you're still tied to the military because your spouse is still there, which is funny because that's the same, that's the same boat that, that I'm in. How did you, and how have you worked through that identity? Like the, maybe not, maybe it's not a struggle for you, but for me, it's always like, Whenever I go back onto base, there when I'm having a bad day, if I go near a base, I'm like, ah, I wish I could go back to when I knew what was going on or something like that. And so what was what was how have you had to deal with that? What what's that been like for you? Right after I retired, we were still on base for another, I don't know, six months, seven months. And I literally was across the street from where I retired from, and that was so hard. 
because I saw my people. I saw my people and I heard the reveille and then the formations and that was heartbreaking. And now I live 15 minutes back to from Fort Hood and I miss it. It's hard. I sometimes I get I get a little bit jealous because uh, I wish I still had that. But and it's difficult because my husband's so he's so military, doesn't show emotion. And whenever I get all emotional, he's like, why are you crying? Like, it's okay. God had a plan for you. And I'm like, but you don't understand. So it's difficult, but I just hit my seven year mark one November. And I do, I do think back to what could I have done differently? Nothing. I was just, it was just me. I was just being me in the army. The army just has different, whatever they want to whatever people they want to keep in, but I'm on my path that I'm supposed to be on. So I, I reflect on that because any person that sends me a message or reaches out to me because of the work that I do, that's when I feel like, okay, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause I don't know. I don't know how I would have been if I stayed until 20 and retired. I would, I don't think I'd be the same person because now I have these experiences, my anger, all these experiences to turn them into good. And so that's what I reflect on now. I do miss, I miss my people hard though. I do. And I, I having contact with them still be on social media. I think that's it's still, it's such a blessing. It is. So, yeah. And I, I think that's something profound that you said to me when we talked before the show was you mentioned the grieving process of leaving the military. And I, I think that's a very powerful statement because we, I think a lot of military people give them, we don't give ourselves the permission to be sad about not the death of us, but this, but almost like you're putting this last chapter of yourself to rest and you have to move on and there's a part of you that stays in the past. And so as someone who's gone, who's been seven years down this path more so than me, what advice would you give people to, about allowing themselves to grieve and actually going through that process itself? I forgot that I said that to you, but it's true because people expect us to be a certain way. I had friends who were like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. You get to retire. I can't wait. And I was like, I'm not feeling that way at all. I'm traumatized. I'm so upset. There's, I don't feel like there is a set time for you to just be like, oh yeah, I'm so good now. I'm retired. I still to this day get a little sad. I, I miss it. So I feel that grieving process is just going to take as long as you need it to take. It really is. And, and there's no set time. I will never tell somebody, oh, you should be good by now. That's not the right, that's not the right thing to say to people. So don't ever say you might get punched. And you can turn it into however you want to. I just, I had to choose to turn it into a positive thing. I had to learn how to make it into what can I do now to help other people when they're going through it? Because I know there's more people out there. They're just afraid to say it because we're supposed to be this certain way. We're supposed to be taught. You're a leader. You're this, you're that. Especially as a female or a male, you guys are supposed to be a certain way and we're supposed to not cry. Um, <laughs> so, so 
take as long as you need. It's hard. It's hard. Some people, I know some people are like, I'm good. I'm done. I got a GS job. I'm a contractor. They're good. And that's okay. Everybody's different. So if you want to be sad about it, be sad about it because you just lived a part of a chunk of your life doing this thing and being this kind of way. So when you leave, yeah, of course you're going to be like, okay, I don't have to show up to formation tomorrow. That might be sweet, but it might be sad too. It's just different. Yeah. I think that I love that you highlight the, like everyone has their path and everyone's going to take their own time because I think, especially in the age of social media or in just this very connected era that we live in, it's so easy to see other people around you be successful or other people find great success on a certain path. And then you go, I went down that path and I'm not good or I should have this figured out right now because X, Y, and Z people do as well. And in the military, we never want to be the slowest person or the nail that sticks out. And we really pray it. I feel like those things really prey on our emotions post transition because it's like, why am I not good yet? I should be. Cause I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the slow one. And I think that's letting go of that's very hard. It, at the very least it was for me. No, I didn't even, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what imposter syndrome was until like a few years ago. I was like, Holy crap. I suffer from that hard. <laughs> <laughs> because social media too. I know in the military, yeah, and we were like, how come he got promoted? And I think, how come I got passed over? And so then you start, yeah, you start being down on yourself because you're not good enough. But then in this social media world, being out, trying to be an entrepreneur, trying to do all these things, I'm not making six figures or I'm not well-known all over freaking LinkedIn, it, it, little things like that. And then I have to come back down to earth and go, but I don't want to be like that. Like if it takes for me to be a certain way to be like that, I don't want to do it because I was raised to be a humble person. I don't like to brag. I don't like to, I don't like to do all these things. And especially now that my kids are 20, almost 21 and 23, I need for them to see how to be in my, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I want them to be, I want to leave a legacy and I want them to see that you could come out of the darkness. You just need to, all these things that I do. So I think that's so important for me now is to try not to look at, I don't have 5,000 followers and I'm not making the six figures and stuff, but it's not all about money. Like my mission is different. It all depends on what you're doing. My mission is different. My mission is to help people, save people, talk to people. So I guess it just depends, but I... But yes, I do so I do go through that sometimes. I'm like, shit, how come she won that award? I'm working just as hard. But that's okay because that's we have different we're doing different things. Or maybe we're doing the same thing, but my path is different. Like it will come for me when it's time. Maybe God doesn't think I'm ready. I talk about God a lot because I've been saved a million times from all the things that I've done in my life. So I I do, I believe that God will give it to me when it's time and I'm not ready. I, I had to pray about that. I think that's an astute observation. I'm a believer as well. And so it it is very much, I think about that quite a bit. And if fame was suddenly thrust upon me, most likely it would tap into my prideful nature more than it would be useful for me to help others right now in my life. Yeah. And I, I'm, I can definitely admit that. But 
I think that's fair. And I think that takes a lot of maturity to say that. And also, like you said, going back to pinning your success on one thing, like your military career might not have panned out the way you wanted, but you were, you successfully raised two children still are. And like, you've done all these other things. And it's like, that's the success criteria. Like that's what matters. And then that's the, and I think the fact that you're trying to emulate that to your children even now is awesome. And I think you should be very proud of that. Thank you. And you know what? You're right. We do forget about those things. Like I have two kids that are smart and they're not doing drugs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I, 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 they're trying to go on their own path. And so I have, I have to appreciate that. I did something right. We did something right. And and now I'm a, now I'm a grandmother. So thank you. He's almost three weeks old. So now that's even more fuel to Mm -hmm. the fuel for me to continue to do this work so I can leave something for my grandson. So, yeah. (laughs) Which is awesome. And I, it, it always can, it always, I, I've been thinking about like family legacy a lot recently. And I always think it's interesting that people will choose job over family when it's like, in all reality, if you're really concerned about leaving a legacy, the most surefire way for you to do that in the literal vastness of humanity is to have children be incredibly good to them and then they carry and then be good to their children and then they carry you for they carry the memory of you forward beyond that history kind of just forgets everything not to sound too nihil existential or nihilistic but that's the one that's the one guaranteed way to do good work that outlasts you for multiple generations and i think that people for whatever reason, people give all that up because they want to do some job that they think is cool for five years or something like that. So I think you made the right choice is really what I'm trying to say there. No, I appreciate it. I read this thing about Matthew Perry. He made this long post where he passed. And at the end of it, he said something about, I hope people remember me not just for my character on Friends, but for the work that I did. And to me, that was very, a oh God, that hit me hard because we might not want to be remembered for the materialistic things or the job or the money we made, but how do we leave? How do we help other people? How do we make people feel? And so that's what I want. I want the kids to see that. Yeah, we saw the crazy parts of mom, but she did try to help people in the end. They did. I was not a, I was not a good parent for a few years in in my life because I, in the military, I did. I God, there was a point where I spiraled. I did. I had a drinking problem and, I acted out of character and it's, that's embarrassing to say, but it's, I, it's true. And when I wrote my book and she read it, she was like, mom, I didn't even know this stuff. I was like, I know. So that's what I want them to remember is the good things, how I, how I overcame it. Well, I think that it's in and of itself, it's incredibly powerful that you are able to um, admit to what you did. And it sounds like you're doing amazing now. And so I, and I think that's really all you can do in this world is, which is great. And you talked about your book. You talked about your business. You started your business. You're like, I'm getting off the couch. I'm going to go, I'm going to go make this thing. What was it like for you going from the military hyper-structured to sitting in the couch on, in the dumps 
down emotionally down hyperstructure than just emotionally in the depths and then going to I'm a business owner with every decision is mine there is no right answer it's completely free form what was that transition like for you when you decided to start your business so that was really hard because I led with my heart <laughs> So I didn't really think logically. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to wing it. A year ago, and I came across people who told me there's no way you're going to make money this way. You have to have a niche. Um, it's just not going to work. And so there was times where I was like, shit, I need to do this for money, but I don't want to do it for money because I want to help people. How am I going to charge people? It was like this whole, like, I think that's when I started having ADHD because it was this whole spiral of, it was, it was nuts. And so I, um, over the years, I eventually had to just find the people who weren't in it to just say, yeah, if you pay me this much, I can help you do this. I had to find people who were like, how do you want to, how can we make this happen? And so that's where I was like, okay, I, I was bootstrapping for so many years and I spent a lot of money on trying to do new things. And then eventually I just found the thing that I wanted to do. Even if I do five different things, those five different things are reaching people that need to be reached. So I'm good with that. If I want to have, if I want to be a speaker, a podcaster, a blogger, a writer, whatever, then I'm going to do it because that's what I love to do. So you could tell me no, but I'm going to do it even more. <laughs> and what do you think? I think that a lot of veterans struggle with finding what they're passionate yeah. with and also balancing, not even balancing, combating what you want to actually do with making money. Yeah. And I think that especially in the career field that I was in, in cyber, it's you're going to make so much money when you get out, if you just go work in tech and not all, and all people might not want to do that, but then it's like, why wouldn't you want to go out and make X amount of money or pilots? Or I'm sure for you, there's probably some cush job doing some sea Bernie stuff somewhere. And, but you chose not to do that. And so how, what's your advice to people who battle with that? Like the all the almighty dollar and doing what will actually fill you up in the day. No, you're right. I could have totally worked for OSHA or FEMA or, all those big name people, but I was like, I don't, I'm not like feeling it anymore. I don't want to go back and sit in a job and have people tell me what to do. Cause I did that for too long and it wasn't, and I could have made those six figures, but I was like, mm, I don't know anymore. I, what I've been telling people lately is honestly do what sets your soul on fire. No kidding. If you want to do a podcast, I will help you do that podcast. If that's what you want to do so bad in your soul, then do it. There's ways to get paid from it. I'm not, you can make a lot of money from it, but it all depends on what you want to do with it. How much work are you willing to put into it? What's your end goal? What's your mission? And so there I've learned so many different ways to go around it. Like I, and, and that, but it has to align with what I want to do. It has to align with my mission. Otherwise, I do have to say I, I am living off retirement. I just have to figure out ways to budget around it and make sure that I can do what I want to do. So there's ways to do it. There's always ways to make money. It just depends on what's your end goal. 
But if you want to do something, then do it. Like I went to music school. That was nuts. Why did I go to music school? Because I love it. I freaking loved it. What and my, my family was like, what are you going to do with that? I was like, trust me, there's a method to my madness. I'm going to do something with it. And I created two songs and I, but that's because I won't, God, it fueled me. So it just depends on what you want to do. And then we will make sure that we can make that happen. We meaning me and that person or me and whoever else I know that can make it happen. I will find that person to make it happen. Yeah. I think that, I think that's awesome. And I think that you, you said that all very eloquently and it's, I wish more people thought like that, like it's okay to make it, you can make it happen if you want to make it happen, but do what sets your soul. I like setting your soul on fire. That's a great, that's a very artistic way of saying that. But I think, I don't know, for some, I think that's tough for people. And I understand there is certainly a balance that needs to be struck there. But I also think that, hey, these are things that very much so can be done should you choose to. And I just think that too many people have heard get out, make absolute money bags, and then they go, I've got to do that now. And so that's the, I don't know. I I, th- I love that you're bringing it up and I wish the more people thought about it more before they got out. Cause it would be, it'd be nice. It's, <laughs> it would be really nice. It, it's hard because I think a lot of people there, I think when you go to those job fairs, God, we can, you can make all this money if you come work for the big letter agencies, but that sounds cool. But is that really what you want? If you do, that's cool too. If that's all you want to do, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's fine. But for the rest of us who are still trying to figure out what we want to do when we grow up, there's other ways. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's honestly really funny that we have such a hard time. I don't know. Like that we, that figuring out what you want to do when you grow up is such a funny thing to say is <laughs> I'm 30, like a 30 year old. It's just, Am I grown up yet? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Look. but it's so, it's so true. It's so true. Um, Something that I want to pivot into now. So you talk about music. You're if you scroll through your LinkedIn, artist, songwriter, journalist, student mentor, podcaster, mentor, freelance writer. All of these you talked about divesting yourself into these things that light your soul on fire. How do you? How did you build up the confidence and the initiative to go out and try all of those things? Because I think for a lot of people, we choose, I don't know, again, making all those choices post-military is tough because we're used to operating in like this uber-structured environment where you have a small menu of choices and they're not even really choices. They're like, you just throw your preferences into the deep, dark hole that is like the military machine and then something comes back out and you're like, ah, this is what I'm doing now. How did you build up that confidence to try all of these new things once you decided to get out? Oh, I think once I started sharing my story and it hit, it touched the right, I don't want to say the right people. Certain people saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. 
And so that's how the speaking started. And so I'm really, I'm very blessed to have people who are like, Annette, you should really think about doing this. Cause I was like, I hated speaking in the army. I would like in, in schools or basic training or whatever, I would sweat. I would stumble over my words. I couldn't even talk. I, I took speech class in college. Like, are you kidding me? How am I going to be a speaker? But it's so different. I think when we are just authentic about ourselves and you just speak from the heart, then it starts to become more natural. I, when I do these things, I never really to be, I don't want to, how do I put it? I, I really just speak off, off, off the cuff. I do. I, I, because that's, it's coming from my heart and my feelings. Podcasting was funny because I actually started, I did it twice. I started one and I did four episodes and I was like, these are freaking depressing. I am not publishing these. And then I tried it again for three years later and and it wasn't about me anymore. It was more about hearing everyone's story. So that's how I got that confidence. Those people were reaching out to me saying, do I have to be military affiliated because I have this particular story to tell? And so I was like, oh, dang, yes, let's do it. I don't want to just have a military-related podcast. Why don't we bring in these people who have these stories that have shaped them and have they've overcome them and had out this this is what they're doing for other people. So their inspiration gave me that confidence to keep going. I was just so inspired. Music school. <laughs> I There's a program called the VRAP. V-R-R-A-P. I think that's what I forgot. It's a veterans program. You can apply for it. If you get accepted, you get to choose from like 80 pages worth of schools. I could have chosen mental health specialist, but I was like, oh, there's music school. Oh my God. And I, my 16 year old self was squealing. I was like, I need to figure out how to do this. I don't know how I did it, but I, in order to get accepted in music school, you had to, or even be looked at, you had to submit two original forms of music pieces, whether you play the guitar, you sang, whatever you had to have, you had to have written them and someone needs to sing them. And I reached out to my friends on Facebook. I'm like, I need two singers who can sing. And, and they, and they both played guitar and I submitted it. And I, I don't know how I got accepted, but I wanted it so bad. I was like, how am I going to freaking make this happen? I need to find talented people and I suffered, suffered through six months of school, but I, <laughs> it was hard as shit, but I, because I wanted it that bad was sleep deprived. Like I was in college again. I had meltdowns. I had all the things, but at the end of it, when I finished, I just cried because I was like, I, I actually did something that I no one thought I could do or not. They didn't think I could do it. They just wondered why the hell I was doing it. And I knew my end goal was to use healing through music. I want to help people by writing their songs. I produce, so my daughter sings, but I knew I needed to figure out how to make this happen in the work that I do. It's, I couldn't fail. That's this was one of the hardest schools besides the, the army training that I've ever done. And I knew I was, I can't fail. I went to every tutoring session they offered and I just did it. I don't know where that confidence came from, but I was scared as hell. I was scared as hell. But it, like I said, if it's something you really want, how are we going to figure out how to do it? And my family knew don't talk to mom Monday through Thursday from one to seven <laughs> and beyond. And I just made it happen. But but my end goal was, how am I going to use this for the mental health field? 
and that and I had to figure it out. I was 47 at the time and I was in class with 20 year olds who go, I've been singing since I was 10. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like this old person in this class. But again, I think I was inspired by their creativity and, and the things that I knew in my head that were going to happen one day. And I just did it. One of the most important things I, I think that while I'm doing all these things, gaining that confidence is being surrounded by people who believe in you. I've had so many naysayers and feeling like I had to compete with so many people that those group, those, that group of people, my circle were the ones that said, Annette, you could totally do this. You've done this, you've done that. I'm like, yeah, but, but I think the constant communication and, and realizing, okay, yeah, I, I can do this. That's what got me through. And I think as we get older, we don't need a hundred friends or a thousand followers. We need the, 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 your people to get you through it. I love that you reference community because that was actually gonna be my next question. So that rolled in uh, very nicely into what I was going to ask you next. Um, how do you recommend that people find community after the military? Because I feel like, especially being dual mill, a lot of your people are military. Yeah. Like your husband's work friends are military. Your work friends are military. You move, you PCS, and then it's, here's your new work friends in your new unit. Then it doesn't happen. And so what is that like for, what do you recommend to people for finding your people, as you eloquently said. So that was hard because I only knew how to be a soldier, an officer. So I didn't know how to make friends in the military spouse space. And I had to learn to break out of my comfort zone and go to networking events. I knew I wanted to start some kind of business. I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to go to this event. If I stayed five minutes, I stayed five minutes. The next time it'll be 10 minutes and then okay, because I get so overwhelmed with too many people. And so I had to do that. I had to reach out like on, when I was at Fort Polk, uh, I was in a, I don't know, a Fort Polk page and I met another writer and we went and had coffee. It was like little things like that. You're going to have to join these groups to find your people. And it's hard because I'm like, I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to go out. I don't want to people. I don't want to talk. But eventually I found them because I was like, all right, I have to. And then you just pick and choose. We're old enough. We could just, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to hang out with you, whatever. But you have to go out and, and start. You have to start somewhere. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Why do you think it's so hard for people to build up the initiative to start either finding community or trying all these new hobbies? Because if you've got nothing else, you've got a lot of initiative because you've tried a lot of new things, <laughs> which is awesome. And I'm curious if you've ever tried to psychoanalyze yourself to understand what you did right to be able to do that. And how you think people can emulate it. It's so funny because there's still times where I'm like, I don't even know if what I'm doing is making a difference. I question that a lot. I could try, I could do all those things listed, but there's still a part of me that's wondering, is this right? And, and it's hard 
once we have that idea in our head of what we want to do, we have to find that other person who does it and talk to them. How did you get started? What do you recommend? How did you do it? I had to start asking those questions because I didn't know. I get made fun of all the time. Why do you do 500 things? How in the hell do you do it? I don't know, but I know that it's because I love doing it, but it does take away from me focusing. Like I had to put my podcast on hold for almost a year now because I'm doing these other things, but it's okay because I'm helping in other areas. And, and it's hard for us, for any of us to figure out if I'm going to do podcasting, then that's the only thing I have to do. And I have to focus on this one thing and it's got to be my everything. But it doesn't really, if it's making you sit behind a computer all day long, every single day, maybe you need to like do one podcast a week or one podcast a month, or like, you don't have to get, if it's taking you away from all the other things and making you go crazy, then step away. It's okay. Cause I didn't think it was okay to do that. I was like, I can't do that. People think I'm supposed to, I used to do two episodes a week. It was like, I cannot do this anymore. And, and it was hard for me to let go. So I, did I even answer your question? I'm like, you did. Okay. You did. <laughs> and you also answered my follow-up question, which was going to be, how do you step away from something that you started? Because so many people in the military, it's like no fail. It's like a no fail mentality type deal where it's, I'm doing this now. So I have to, until it stops. But in the military, someone else always tells you when it stops. And now it's, you're the only person who tells you when to stop. But you also like, I have to finish till it's done. Yeah. I don't know. It's a funny, it's a funny like duality or paradox of choice that people have to deal with. No, so, it's, it's true. Yeah. I was talking to a mentee, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And she says, what if I don't want to do the podcast anymore? I said, then don't. She said, really? I said, yeah, don't. If you're going to half-ass it and you're not going to publish meaningful episodes and don't do it take a break leave your episodes up there because they'll be up there forever don't take everything down keep it up there and you can always re what's the word re-upload them again and share them out and just focus on that until you want to come back i it's like i was talking to myself i need to practice what i preach because i was stressing out about that too but you don't have to you can step we are the only ones who are putting ourselves out there not any it's hard to say, but I don't think anyone really cares if we stop sometimes. If you stop and you say, hey, I'm going to take a pause. I'm focusing on something else. They'll be like, okay, cool. Let us know when you're back. They're not like, oh my God, when is your next episode? I can't believe. Not everyone is caring really. And it sucks because we want people to care, but not everyone is caring sometimes. Just, so if it's stressing you out, stop doing it. I completely, I completely agree with you and it but it's it is really funny to come to that realization of no one really cares and even if they do care they're supportive yes. if they care that much about you then they're probably going to be like oh yeah shit take a break we like what you do we don't want that to we don't want the quality to decline or we like you as a personality and we don't want you to be depressed whatever the thing is everyone's oh yeah that's that makes a lot of sense yeah, but it is funny that you're like, I've got to keep going. <laughs> and man, it's, yeah, it's, it's really crazy. The last question that I really want to ask you is 
for people that are going on this journey of identity, whether it's getting out of the military or not, because you talk to everyone who doesn't on this wild ride <laughs> called life. See, use your use your thing. Um, what advice would you what advice do you want to leave people with at the end of this episode on how they can keep going? I think we really do need to self-reflect. We really do. We need to figure out what do we want to be? Who do we want to be? Who are we supposed to be? And that was hard for me because I always, for so many years, I was Major Wittenberg. I was company commander. I was whatever leadership role I held. But when I came home, I was still mom. I was somebody's mom. I'm somebody's grandmother. I'm somebody's spouse. I'm somebody's partner or friend. And that is what's most important because unfortunately we left that part of our life and now we need to figure out, okay, how do I want to continue living the second part of my life? And that's hard. It's hard as hell to do, but we have to go back and remember that. I'll, I'm always going to remember what Matthew Perry said because he doesn't want to be just remembered being on friends for so many years. He wants to be remembered as the work that he did on the outside. And so it's not about that title anymore. It's about what role are you going to play in the next chapter of your life? And it sounds easy, but it's not. But we have to, in order to continue to move forward, we have to do that. And if we're having a bad day, start again tomorrow. I tell my kids that all the time. Okay, you're having a panic attack right now, or you're stressed out, or you're crying, or you're pissed, or you're throwing things. Okay, calm down. Go take a nap. Or I'll talk to you when you're better and we'll try again tomorrow. We have to because it, it's life is so hard right now with everything that's going on that the stressors, you start to consume everything and you let it paralyze you. But, but then what are you going to do with it? When I firmly believe that whatever you, whatever higher power you believe in, I think now is the time to start leading into that because this world is crazy. Ain't that the truth? And I think, uh, yeah, the best thing uh, I took away from what you just said is it's always worth it, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. And I think that's the that's so important for people to remember. Just because it's good for you doesn't make it doesn't mean it won't be hard. And so people need to remember that when they're doing this, fighting through, doing the work, whatever. But Annette, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful that I know you took time off from doing your podcast. I'm very grateful that you took the time to come on to mine to share your story, to share your wisdom. I really appreciate it. You've got a very powerful story, amazing advice. And like I said, I'm very grateful you took the time to come on and share that. Thank with you people. for having me on. It's truly an honor. I appreciate it so much. Of course. And where can people find you? So if you're on LinkedIn, I'm on there, Annette Winberger, or if you are on mm-hmm. any other social media or on my website, a wildridecalledlife.com. Okay. Those links will be in the description of this episode. So if you want to reach out to Annette, talk to her, check out what she's got going on, please go down to the description to check out her website, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. But For everyone out there, this has been another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. Thank you so much for 
taking the time. You all are the reasons why we do this. And if you like what we're doing here, please, A, go check out Annette's stuff. Go give her some love. Also, like this video, comment if you want, share it with those who need to benefit from this message. But that's the end of the show, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Post-Military Podcast. Peace.